What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hangar Podcast, episode number 23. 23. Thank you very much. Very good input. <laughs> Direct 23. <laughs> Holy crap. 47. All right. So this week, Ben has come up with a really great series idea that we're super excited. And we have a, somehow, there is a plan involved with this episode of the podcast. And I don't know what to think of it. Yeah, you would never know we have a plan up until this point. Yeah, This yeah. whole morning's been off the rails. Yeah, like literally 22 weeks in a row, it's just been with like so a little bit of text on his iPad saying, hey, here's my idea. Yeah, okay. Sure. <laughs> now what? Yeah, now I got a script and we can't even get the episode started. So Yeah, for those of you who don't know, which would be all of you other than the people in this room, <laughs> we have literally tried to start this podcast six times this morning and yeah. all of them have failed. It involved like Mo having to close a door and then a window washer. It's just been a bizarre morning. God, it just sucks when Mo has to get up and close the door. I, I know, don't know. It just I know, yeah. Ruins a morning. There was an inhaler. I don't know. This is going to be a story for the ages. But uh, what do you say we talk about the topic? Maybe that'll keep us from having, to, you, s- man, Wait, having to start over. There's some rumors out there that the hangar is uh, rolling out some new stuff. Yeah, I've heard that rumor as well. It's come straight from Chase, but I, I don't know much about the details. That's good if we're going to keep it that way. So what are we talking about this week? So you're going to keep this big thing the hangar's doing secretive. All right. And- so one thing you need to know about working in the church world is there's not a lot of like build up to cool things. Mm. It comes sparingly. Unfortunately, I would agree. Yeah. It's kind of like a Twinkie. You should only eat them every now and then, but when you know you're it's about to happen. You should fry it. They're about to, well, yes. So we're going to fry this idea and we'll just, we'll cook it till, I don't, I can't go anymore. Let, let that me help you here. So let me ask you a question. Is, um... I'm not going to say generally snacks like that, but it seems like Twinkie is a Twinkie is like the snack of shame. Like, do you hide when you eat one of those things, or do you? I think you, you should. You don't want to be open with that, especially if it's fried. Yeah, I've never. Which had I a, haven't had. Me so neither. I, that's why I couldn't like hop on the analogy with you. Yeah. Sorry, I mean, you're all alone there. I've never had one either. I just thought that was a thing. <laughs> don't try to play like you're from Mississippi. It just it doesn't work, man. Well, hey, real quick, can we at least get like a date? Of when this cool stuff's supposed to happen, because I have no clue what's going to happen, and I'm on the podcast. Mm. That's just how deep this meta goes, man. Wow, that's it's crazy. in my it's in my head, and maybe another guy's that literally no one else knows. Hey, here's what about something? a date? I'm just asking if there's a date. <laughs> Mid October. That's all I know. That'll work. Here's another thing I know that probably would be good to talk about. Um, we are actually mixing it up at the hangar in the month of November. And hoping to kind of get a broader audience. Actually, that's my desire. And provide a place for men to hang out, which is what what we do every month, but just in a different way. So we're going to have a movie night at the hangar, uh, Bruce Campbellfield, first Thursday in November. Hopefully, there'll be a little bit of a chill in the air. And actually, we've got uh, JD from the Country Squire, a local tobacconist showing up, has a store there from the Country Squire on Lakeland. A good friend of ours is going to show up and have all sorts of blends. And so you'll be able to have a uh, actual, a real cigar from a real tobacco shop and a couple of different pipe blends and we're looking just to get the word out there so um, thanks for listening to the podcast and please take that next step of letting people know we got a pretty big event going down the month of November at the hangar what um, is going on today you have a plan so let's jump into the content hold on 
We have a plan? Yeah, we do. We do have a plan. It's a great plan. So let me get us into the plan because I really want to have as much real estate to talk about this idea as, as we can. And, and I really don't want to have another 40-minute episode. I don't know. It just bothers me some. Uh, so here's what I want to talk about. Guys have been doing some work in my life lately, some really intricate personal work and i just have a bad habit of taking that stuff public because i feel like if guys working on me in this way then there's probably something in there generally that's going to help men across the board and i'm even starting to believe men who follow jesus and men who don't follow jesus there's just some good stuff that we should talk about so i'm reading a book that's introduced this idea to me and i want to get y'all's feedback on this before we take that dive into what it actually works out to mean but there's this tension that we live in as as men generally today that's been introduced to us over time through the generations so it's it's not a a problem that was built overnight and it's not a problem that's going to be fixed overnight but here's the idea that men struggle between two opposite ends of the spectrum and i'll describe uh the the one that's probably the most polarizing first in that men have been convinced over the past number of generations not just our own and not just the one coming coming after us most specifically uh men have been taught that in order to be a good man you have to be able to identify with and even further than that kind of mimic a feminine a feminine approach to life so you have to care about pinterest you have to care about nickel board you have to care about antiquing the kitchen cabinets and pallet furniture all this kind of, you have to know and, and i know about all these things i'll say that i figure it's enough of a sign that I've, you're just rallying that's right off. i've thought about this a little bit but we we kind of have to tend towards that end of the spectrum to use a word to be respectable men in society like if we don't know how we're feeling we don't know how our wives are feeling we don't know about the latest trend designs in home decorating then we're not really pursuing masculinity that's a real thing that's out there would you guys agree i mean i'm not married but i I would have to i would i would agree now that's not saying you shouldn't be in tune with like your woman's needs absolutely but i think there's also quote unquote a way of going too far too far. Which Way I think is far. what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, knowing about it is one thing, but adopting a con- as an equal concern about it as a woman would have, that's just like a different deal for me. So you have this one side way over on this side. Then you have this other side, and we've talked about this actually for a couple weeks in a row, but this just overblown masculine movement where we're like going out into the woods and having secret fight clubs and secret handshakes and secret tattoos and we're just you know all buying motorcycles and taking trips across the country even if we don't like motorcycles don't get offended mo i know some men do like motorcycles i've never owned one in my life but men are going out there and buying these things we think define manhood and adopting these hairstyles and even beards I'm just offending Mo every statement here this morning. Um, But we've gone all the way to this other side too. Like I'm just trying to say that what I'm learning is that we live in a culture of overcorrecting. So what what's happened, what I'm reading about is this guy is saying that a tear has been placed right in the middle of the masculine soul. They were pulled so far to the left and so far to the right that we don't know exactly which way to be a man. Couple that with the fact that we haven't been initiated into manhood. That's true for nine and a half out of 10 of us. So we haven't been initiated in what it means to really be a man. We've been sold the idea that we have to look and act like a woman to be a man, a respectable man. We've rejected that, some of us. And then we go all the way to the other side where we have to look like this barbarian to actually be a man. And the premise that I'm kind of soaking in right now is that 
neither of those are actually correct, that there is a middle ground. But before we get to how to find that middle ground, we have to acknowledge that being pulled between these two opposite sides is, is kind of tearing us in half. So that's that's the idea for today. But before we move into what that actually results in in hangar men's lives, I just kind of want to get y'all's feedback to that idea. Yeah, I think that. First of all, if you haven't noticed, I have a cold. Um, So forgive me for sounding nasally. Uh, Anyway, yeah, I, I, I feel like. I'm sitting here trying to think about it. I'm trying to think about all the things that you're saying. And, you know, obviously we've had a a little bit of a conversation before we started rolling, but, uh, you know, I'm wrestling with it a little bit. I I, I would, I would think that, I think that there is absolutely a tear, you know, there's, you're getting pulled in two different directions and, and trying to figure out almost how to be both depending on the circumstance. Right. So when you're out and about, you're, you're this other super macho, uh, barbaric guy. And then when you're at home, you're trying to be the super effeminate, um, woman, man, you know what I mean? Um, in order to make sure that nobody's offended at home and then your guys aren't making fun of you for being that, you know, uh, around them. And then obviously because of that, you start to lose who you really are. You start to lose, uh, what it's supposed to look like to walk down that line of masculinity. No doubt about it. I, I of course I agree with my own statement. <laughs> that sounded pretty arrogant, but I man, I just really, I believe in this idea, but uh, so chase on, on your perspective, you've kind of opened up here lately about you're just on the other side of that season where you're deciding what type of man you're going to be as a grown man. Have you felt this, tension or did you feel this tension or that tear working through that process um i don't i don't think so but i think it's it's not not because like it doesn't exist i just don't think i've been put in a position where it's affected me as much i mean yeah no i'll just stick there no i don't think i have but that's that's just because i'm not in like some kind of long-term relationship with a woman where it's everyday consistent interaction yeah, that may be part of it, but I mean, I think even if you're not in relationship with uh, with a woman, married with a woman, or feeling the pull towards that, there is this kind of crossroads right now. I think, and what type of masculinity are we going to pursue? And what I love about this language of a tear in the middle of the soul is that it identifies that every man, whether he wants to admit it or not, and there are a lot of men that don't want to admit it. That's just a, a phrase that's good in general. But every man, wh- whether he wants to admit it or not, is suffering from some sort of internal ache. Um, that's what really stuck with me because I've, I've found that to be true in my interactions with hangar men over the past year. No matter how polished we seem to be on the outside, at some point during that lunch or some point during that cup of coffee, there's going to be an acknowledgement of pain, a little leaking out of pain that's going on. And a lot of times we internalize that like it's our fault, but I'm trying to zoom out just a touch today and say it may be the culture that we've dropped into. The time period in history that we've dropped into where there's this huge conversation going on about what it means to actually be a man. There was a time in history where this was just understood. Now it's all up for debate and we're torn between two ways that both have benefits in the beginning, uh, but also are very, very dangerous. I think looking, thinking back on my answer, I, th- I, I think I answered wrong. I think I'd, I have experienced it. 
but I don't. I think, and this is probably like for most men, we don't know how to recognize that. Like it's it's kind of hidden if that makes sense. So that's that's probably why my gut answer was no. But that was just, and you know, covering up, I guess. Yeah, that last for lack of a better word. That last statement that you made, um, that long statement, that little that little uh, moment that you had there, where you did, were explaining all that. I think that it it resonated with me a little bit more clearly. The um, the idea that there is a tear and then explaining that as some sort of an internal struggle, like an, a misunderstanding of who you are because of all the things that are pulling at you in the different directions. Like I, I can identify with that. Absolutely. Like, am I in my home personally, I can just say that I don't have to feel like I need to move into a more feminine, uh, direction, but having, having listened a little bit more as you explain it, I recognize that there is definitely a, a, a something inside of me that is just unsure of who I am, you know, who I am and who I'm supposed to be because of all the different things that are pulling at me. Yeah. And I, I think it's so, I use this word a lot lately and I guess I need to apologize for it, but it's just my word to try to convince everyone how serious I'm feeling about this. But I think it's incredibly tragic that we don't have a lot of places to take our cues from that help settle that internal ache. So you go home, you can't get it settled. You go to your job and there's this macho posturing that happens. Everybody's trying to climb the ladder, even if we have to step on each other. And for those few men that are brave and willing to wander into a church, then they're met with, as, as we've discussed and as books have been written, they're met with a feminine Jesus culture. So we don't have a lot of environments to go to that help us get this idea settled. So I'd, I'd like to read this quote by Ted Dobson. He's the guy that really started talking the terror language. You guys okay with that? Yeah. Yeah. So we have, I have a yes. All right. So here we go. Ted Dobson says, quote, there's a tear in the masculine soul, a gaping hole or wound that leads to, and this is what you're, the point you're making, Mo, that leads to profound insecurity. The German psychologist Alexander Mitzerlich, and that sounds like a really cheap beer, has written that society has torn the soul of a male, and this into this tear, demons have fled. This is where it gets really spiritual, so brace yourself. Demons of insecurity, selfishness, and despair. Consequently, this is the part of his quote I really want to focus on. Consequently, men do not know who they are as men. Rather, they define themselves by what they do, who they know, or what they own. Those words sting as I hear them. Do they sting for you, Mo? Absolutely. Um, very clear about um, just this idea of the internal struggle of man. And I would, I would be... I don't know. I'd probably challenge anyone who said they don't struggle in that uh, as a man anyway, about all of the different areas, you know, that being torn between two things, being torn between a few things, but just having that, that wound, you know, that is this place where all of those insecurities find themselves, you know, comfortable. So, so yeah, like I, that was like, you know, like a bomb went off and I'm just thinking, goodness gracious, absolutely right like there's all of a sudden uh culture society whatever you want to say it, everything that that's been pulling at me has created this place where uh these you know demons to use the term that he used uh find their home yeah men not knowing 
uh, what it is to be a man, opening up that insecurity, that tear, and then because of that breach, because of that uh, uh, open spot in the armor, all this negative stuff rushes in. And the men don't know what to do with it. So I want to be really clear on this point. I, I used to look at men that weren't acknowledging that internal wound or tear as a, a lot of guys are describing it today. And I would judge them, honestly, that, man, you need to wake up. You need to get this figured out. But I've realized over time that we just don't have, a, as men, we don't have a lot of categories to talk about this stuff. We don't, it's not that we're aware of it and ignoring it. We just don't even know, as Chase, as you pointed out, how to be aware of it. So the the general premise is men don't know what it is to be a man but we know enough to be insecure about that and this stuff moves in. So what, what I'd like to talk about briefly today are these coping mechanisms that men put in place that this, this guy Dobson says, these coping mechanisms that men put in place rather than addressing the tear, we do other things. And, and this is a big problem for men, isn't it? Rather than directly addressing the problem because that problem is bigger than us, overwhelming, scary, we feel intimidated, we go to do something else instead of addressing the pain or addressing the problem. I mean, that's just been so true for me in my life. So Ted says um, there are a couple of things that we do, and I want to break these down because in our talk before the microphone is turned on, we all admitted that we fall into we each fall into different categories, these three categories, and we can speak about them personally. I'd love for us to do that today. The first one is how we cover up the, the pain of this tear is we cover it up with, with what we do. Uh, this is kind of like a softball part of it, right? But it's a real thing. So let's say that there's a hanger man listening. He's like, okay, I agree. I don't want to be more like a woman. I also don't want to be this inflated macho picture of a man. And I am kind of torn between those two things and I'm feeling insecure about who I am. Um, how do I determine which one of these things I do? So uh, I think it was Chase, were you the one that was saying it's w what you do? That's how you cover up? No, it was Mo. That was Mo? Okay. So Mo, I'd love to hear from you on this. So um, as a man feeling that insecurity, we don't want people to see that vulnerability in us. So we cover it up with what we do. You were saying that's part of your story. Yeah. I mean, out of all of the three of them, I definitely identify with that the most. Um, a feeling of significance coming from what I do has been something I've been searching for all my life. You know, as a, as a coach, um, the fact that I was the head coach, that I was the director, the, the, the go-to guy in the whole program was something that filled that area. Um, or I, I tried to use for it to fill that area, I tried to use for it. I tried to use it to fill that area because it made me feel like uh, I was significant in a, in a world where I feel insignificant, man, even today, goodness, I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I don't know if it's just cause I'm short or what, or just something that this was beat into me when I was, when I was younger. Um, but I still feel like in, in the presence of certain people, I still feel like a kid, like a child. And, uh, and it's nuts because I'm a grown man. You know what I mean? And I feel like when I'm in the presence of, or when someone talks to me a certain way, who has a position of authority and power, I feel like a child. And I'm like, crap, you know? So if I find myself in a position of authority, or if I find myself as uh, somebody who is is looked to, looked to uh, for a specific job or a specific position as an authority, then I will somehow 
you know, heal the wounds that are that is created from. I don't. I can't even identify where it came from. It makes for a great cover. The uh, man, men have been using this for a long time. Our titles make for a great cover for our insecurities, and uh, it's man, that's rough to watch and rough to see. I think difficult to live through. So, if you're a hanger man trying to figure out which one you fall into, I just want to throw out these questions that might help you identify if you're covering up this inability to know what a man really is in a negative way with what you do see if you can answer yes to these questions do you take pride in working more than what your job expects of you so if your job expects you 40 hours and you stay 55 hours in a week does that make you feel really good about yourself regardless of what you're accomplishing yes or no is your thought life consumed with how you do your job better even when you're away from it. So are you, when you're away from your job, are you thinking more about your job than what you're in? Could be an indicator that you're covering up that insecurity of what you do. Here's the last one that kind of I, I touch up against, even though this isn't my predominant issue. Do you find that a lack of validation in the workplace leads you to vices? So if people where you're working don't think that you hung the moon, does that take you to other coping mechanisms, substances, things like that, pornography? My position is if we answer yes, even a little yes to any of those questions, it might be part of what we're using to cover the insecurity. So I appreciate, Mo, your honesty about that. That was some pretty personal stuff you let out. Man, I don't know. I kind of want to go back there a little bit if I can. Sure. uh, To ask the question, am I the only one who feels like that? You know what I mean? Like uh, yesterday we were in 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 a cool place with a meeting with a guy who's just really great at what he does. Um, obviously, obviously great at what he does and, uh, and, and look up to the guy because of it, you know, because of his, uh, ability to achieve the things that he's achieved, but just his humility in doing it. As I sit there listening to people talk, I kept feeling like, man, I feel like I'm a kid. You know, I feel like this, my place is to sit here and be quiet. I'm not allowed to say anything because I don't have the, uh, the value or I can't add the value to the conversation. And there are times, just full disclosure, right? <laughs> there are times in our organization where I'm sitting in a room of people who are saying things and the way that they're said to me um, makes me feel like, okay, I'm the kid in the room, you know? And I'm, 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 in some cases, I'm older than them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm, I feel like I'm the kid in the room, and which leads me to um, doubt my ability to do the job that is supposed to be helping me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, what you're describing is it's that insecurity piece. And insecurity and and insecurity is going to color all of your reality. So, you know, I I was in that environment with you yesterday. I was listening to the questions that you were asking and I was thinking, man, Mo's really getting this. I wish I was engaged as engaged today as Mo is. That's what I was actually thinking, but the stuff that you're battling internally doesn't match that at all. No, I don't think you're the only guy that, that feels this. Look, all men are drawn towards a little bit of these things. Let's be straight about that. I mean, most of us want to be able to take pride in a job well done. There's something honorable about that. What I'm trying to point out, and I think what uh, Ted was trying to point out in this article back in the 80s, actually, is that we take too much. If we take too much to what we do, we could be using it as a, as a smokescreen for that tear that we're experiencing. And what he's pointing out eventually is, that's just not going to work out it's eventually going to dissipate and we're going to be left still hurting having tried it and probably damaging the people around us 
So it's a way that we can cover it up. The next way he talks about is who we know. And I'm reading my notes right here, Chase, man. I was really hard on these guys. And you say, yeah, that's me. So I really I feel bad about that stuff I wrote down. Yeah, and it's not like it's not like I'm 100% this guy. Honestly, like reading, cheating ahead and like reading through all three of them. Like I, I'm a little bit of all of them, but I think this one's the most prevalent. So that's that's why I picked this one. Gotcha. Just because like I I love the idea of like networking, or like who like being out like literally one of the bullet points is like name dropping. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I mean, and if yeah, <laughs> if, I, if I if I if it's cool to know a guy, I'll, I'll bring it up. So uh, so yeah, I would say that's one of my crutches. And I'm like Mo, I have literally no idea like why that that is what it is with me but i just you know i read through the the stat lines and i'm like yeah that's me it's quite the opposite how we usually think about it if we see a guy that's wildly successful at what he does we don't think man that guy's probably insecure if we are around a guy that knows all the people we wish that we knew and is willing to talk to us about it and if he's really practiced in this it doesn't really show up as blatant we just feel like man this guy knows a lot of important people we don't automatically think that guy's probably insecure. He's covering up some pain in his life. What we think is, and Mo's even let this out already today, I wish I was more like that guy. I wish I was better at what I did. I wish I knew more people. I think that's just calling on our, our insecurity. In a lot of ways, these guys make themselves known pretty quickly. I get in conversations with men a lot where I'm talking more about the people that they know than knowing them. And that's what bothers me the most about this is I feel like I'm always hearing about the relationships that they have, but I'm never hearing about who they are. And I think this is the really negative part about this. If it's if our lives are all about who we know, then no one ever gets to know us. And that can be a real problem. That's just like a quiet isolation that's covered up with like this political connectedness and there are guys that are really good at networking i mean god has built people in such a way some people in such a way that they connect people they disconnect from that connection and then those things they're world changers i'm not trying to attack every guy that knows someone Uh, but i do think it's good for us to ask these questions am i covering up my insecurity about who i am by just connecting other people with other people. So good question here. Are you a name dropper? That's pretty pretty blatant there. Uh, do you have to be the guy that knows someone, someone else knows to be comfortable? Guys do this a lot in conversation. We're always trying to find that place of, of connection. Uh, so I think this is maybe one that we all run into enough and, and some of us will admit it. I'm proud of you, Chase, for admitting that, but a lot of us won't. Um, I think it can be this one's really dangerous because it can be very helpful and people will actually use that. Oh, you know, this guy who knows that guy. We don't ever stop and think about, is this something this guy's doing to cover up some insecurity that he's got? So the first one is, what do we do? The second one is, who do we know? Who do we know? Last one, and this is where I come into play here with some personal examples. The last one is what we own. And there's a little bit of comedy there because I don't own a lot. Uh, But what I do to cover up my insecurity is I pursue things and they may be very small things, but I'll literally, I can't believe I'm about to admit this. I spent a couple of weeks at the end of last year reading about pencils. 
Jeez. Yeah, I did. At my off time, I was reading about pencils. Isn't there like a podcast you listen to like that was just about pencils and writing utensils? Mo, we're going to have, I'm seriously, we're going to have an argument after the, after we, we don't have time now, but I'm really going to, I'm mad at you now for going public with that. Yes. It's called the pen addict. But more importantly, he's going to explain to you I'm gonna ex- just why. Just why I listen to it. <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, there's a backstory that involves field notes, but I was just thinking about writing stuff in pencil instead of writing in a pen because the idea is that you'll remember it better if you write it in pencil. I don't know if that's true. But it feels more fleeting, like you can erase it. Like, well, it at least sounds more intelligent and less creepy than the way Mo just put it out there. But <laughs> so I spent the, the last part of last year just like reading about pencils, and after about a week or two, I thought, "What am I doing? <laughs> I'm reading yeah. about pencils. I'm reading about pencils. But I realized, man, I was just unsettled. You know, this is this is real talk here. I was just unsettled at the end of last year about a lot of things. I was teaching a lot. Uh, we were about to spend a lot of time with family, my family, my wife's family. And I was just, man, feeling some insecurity because in a lot of environments, and I don't know if you guys experienced this, but in a lot of environments, because of what God is doing in my life and my heart, I feel very misunderstood. And being misunderstood makes me feel really insecure because I think if the people in my environment don't get me, then I must be the one that's doing something wrong. So the way that I fix that is Amazon. I feel like you're the kind of guy, like, if you own the boat, you would spend a lot of time researching, like, uh, flotation device materials, like, what's the best use in salt water. Yeah, and what's American-made, and, you know, I don't own a boat, but if I did own a boat, I would think, what do I need to put on, on this boat, you know, the best polymer to make sure it lasts, and I can pass this on to my kids, and I just lose enjoying a lot of things because I'm... I'm using those things really to cover up an insecurity and it keeps me from being free to be happy with the things that I have. And in my worst moments, um, in my worst seasons, I'm chasing and looking for new things and just digging into research, honestly, into stuff that I don't really care about. So if I'm hearing Ted correctly, I assume assume it's an all-inclusive thing with men. Like men should fit into one of the three, these three categories, it, it currently. Yeah, they, well, fit into one, identify with one yeah, more. That, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like those personality tests. I mean, you're you're going to test as one, but there's a little of of some of the ones to the left and the right in you as well. So, well, what would you say if a guy's like struggling identifying, or like more if what if his mindset's like, well, I don't I don't identify with any of those. What do you say to that guy? I'd say. Real talk, he's delusional. I mean, it just means that he has a lack of self-awareness, which is kind of a a whole different problem. But really, if you look back over, just take a segment of your life, maybe the past three months, if you're using any of these as a coping mechanism, they're going to show up very, very frequently. You know, one of the things that I've thought about is why do men throw away their wife so easily? And I think if you're a guy that if you struggle with the what we own that's covering up your insecurities, if you're always chasing new things, that makes it easy for you to throw out the old thing, even if that old thing has been very faithful to you. If it starts to cause you a little bit of resistance, you just want to throw it out and get a new thing. But I think you, if you're asking me, how does a guy figure out which one he is? He asks these questions. Do I always have to connect people? Am I afraid to be known? 
Well, then you know, then you're struggling with covering up your insecurity with who you know. If you're always at work and you're always talking about how you shouldn't be at work, but you can't help yourself, well, then you're finding too much of your identity and value in what you do. And if you're one of those guys that just always loves to have the new thing, I mean, people um, at companies like Yeti, they depend on men like me. Because I could go literally get a styrofoam cooler. For the times that I use a cooler in my life, I could get one at the gas station. But I've looked into Yetis, which is ridiculous. Why would I look into Yetis? Once you open the lid, it's just like every other cooler, right? Um, but if you're constantly pursuing the next thing or you've got to have something around you that proves who you are, then, man, you're, you're using the things that you own to cover up some insecurities. The good news about all of this is that once you identify it, you can start attacking it and it will go away. Man, I was just thinking about as I listened to you explain all these things and Chase and myself about our personal struggles with them and then also how this was written like how many years ago was this written? Uh, well, the article is before the – the book that references it was published in 88. So, like, now when I think about all these things, and I just kind of look out into society and whatever, you know, and as, as, as you know, my mind's just kind of churning all of these ideas, you said something about the demonic presence in all this. And how it's just, you know, the demons kind of go into the, that, that gap created from the tear. Oh, my goodness, man. It is so easy. If I mean, everybody suffers from this. It's so easy. I mean, especially the, the having to buy new things all the time, the biggest, best thing. I mean, that's prevalent in our society. What about people you know? I mean, name dropping is huge. You don't even have to be that big of a deal. Like... Just knowing Coach Mo, for example, you know what I mean. You'll put that out there. I do all the time. Uh, I, I drop Coach Mo's name all the time. And uh, what we do, everybody's looking for the best thing. I mean, look at the whole American Idols and all these shows about creating a better you uh, for yourself. And I'm looking at it, it's like we're being fed this stuff, man. I mean, it's like that gap is is recognized by other people who are capitalizing on that by pushing all these things into the gap to fill it. Absolutely. We don't look, we don't sell pain. We sell pain pills. That's what we do. We're trying to cover up pain. But here's the good news about about all of this to return to that. You're right. It's being marketed to us because there's profit in it, which I think is another series for another day. But we can separate from this. The Bible actually talks about this. And and those of you that have been hanger men for a while, you knew we were going to get there eventually. Uh, It sounds new age, but I think we need to pursue a unified mind. We need to pursue focusing on the fact that there's a tear in the middle of us and trying to heal that tear and trying to get out of the situation that is opening the wound over and over again. So here's the way that the Bible talks about it. James 1 verses 5 through 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, well, that's all of us. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. Some of you are going to have to face your relationship with God. Whether you're pissed at him or not, you need to ask him for wisdom. Who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Is that not a descriptor for the modern man? Tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from God. Why? Because he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. A big part of us trying to reclaim manhood, reclaim masculinity, is to produce men 
that have a unified mind, that are not double-minded, that are not pulled in two different directions. And the Bible says that's possible. The field manual that we follow as hanger men says that it's possible if we have a unified mind. In another place, Jesus says it this way, Luke 11. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. What I'm trying to say today, wrapping up, is that we can't be pulled in two, five, seven, 13 different directions and think that we are going to be the men that God is calling us to be. He's calling us to have a unified mind. And the first step in that is addressing the fact that we're covering up that terror, that pain with coping mechanisms. And one of these three is probably, most likely, has been chosen by you as a hanger man.